Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And tonight, the walls have closed around you. The lights have gone out and it's dark. You claw looking for an escape, but all you can hear is us. <laughs> Analyzing Green Room and Don't Breathe. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. So this begs the question. <laughs> What would you do if someone broke into your house? <laughs> Justine, why you, me? You were already going before why we started recording. No, I was just saying, like, I feel like people have thought about that a lot. Like, this is one of those scenarios. What would you scenarios. do in like a break-in or like a hostage situation? I've definitely been in class before, and it sucks that I think about this. But I'm like, what happens if like a shooter comes in the room like now, right now? Like, what's my my plan of approach? And honestly, I don't really fucking know what I would do. I would just, you know, do what they did in Green Room and play war and pretend I actually know what I'm doing and hope I don't fucking die. I I know for sure that I am a fight and not flight person. Mm-hmm. I know for sure because it's been confirmed for me like two or three different times with like random shit. And I was actually almost mugged. That was like, that's like a real thing that happened to me. And Oh, no way. Yeah. What so, happened there? Uh, it, was, it was in LA, ironically, uh, not too far into East LA, so not really too surprised (laughs) but but this dude walked up on me and like it felt like he had stuck something into my back like not stabbed me but like threatened me and was like give me a fucking wallet (laughs) and like i just remember turning around and just like punching him right in the throat and then just booked it (laughs) take this motherfucker (laughs) and i was like yep yeah i would definitely fight someone and then one of the times someone scared me i punched him in the face Oh no! They like popped out of a closet. And I was like, no! <laughs> like, <"Put> <laughs> so so I, yeah, I would definitely fight someone if they like broke into my house. I remember you telling me how jump you get if someone like Super comes up jumpy. behind you. And I just wonder if we were to ever to go to one of those haunted trails, uh, I feel I, like you I, would I just deck one of the actors by accident. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm a jumpy person, which is terrible because I want to make horror films. But uh, <laughs> like, you're just on the set, like, oh shit! I yeah, swear, that was dude. Good. We'll use that somebody one. scares me on set; they're getting fired that day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I will fire you on the spot if you scare me on this set. <laughs> so I have a blunt instrument near my bed. Don't you have a gun too? We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. So I have an axe. I had an axe, and then nice. the fucking axe head came off. Oh, wow. And now it's just a giant piece of fucking... Yeah, it's just the wood. Uh, it's the handle, but it's made out of like f- fucking 17 million layers of fiberglass. Oh, so I'm just like, yeah, this will probably do this some damage. damage. <laughs> that and then like, yeah, the fucking the 9 millimeter, which I need to not keep near my bed at all times, but still do. <laughs> That's the problem. I'm just like, hmm, should I keep it in my safe with my ammo separate? like a good responsible gun owner and the answer to that question is yes but the problem is when someone's in my house or fucking in my room you just need to grab and go that's the problem with guns because if you just grab and go you have a quick they make those fucking shotgun things for your bed did you see that shit it's like on your headboard yeah your headboard you hit it fucking (laughs) huge ass shoddy comes out take me for a chump i'm gonna hit you with the pump yeah <laughs> oh my god i mean it's like times or at least like uh, movies like this or situations like this 
call up like these ideas of like what would you do in this situation and you really start to understand why there are like a lot of like gun advocate individuals around and whatnot because they're preparing for a the unfortunate like one in a million yeah. situation that you absolutely need to have yeah. a weapon on you like, which is yeah i personally am not an advocate of violence for a solution but i understand that if i'm in a situation where someone has a gun if i have a gun myself my odds are a lot better i'm just saying there was like that weird thing where the vice was talking about these like Republican women who were going to this gun convention to like learn how to do their safety protocols, how to actually like defend themselves in a situation, when to use it, when to not use it. And then they were like, so this is a scenario where you have to get your, yourself and the kid out of the house and you have a gun with you. And then the vice editor was like, I don't understand what situation you'd have to be in to have a kid in one hand and a gun in another. And I was like, it's pretty obvious. There's someone in your house and you don't want them to fucking be yeah, there. Yeah, I don't know. What? <laughs> That's kind of a dumb... Uh, I would have been mad. I'm I mean, like, it's what, a dumb yeah. question. One of my friends who like who decided, like with, with everything going on at the moment, he just, he decided that he didn't necessarily feel safe in his home without like something like a weapon in his house at all yeah. more recently. So he went to his dad who makes clocks. His dad's just like a clock maker. And so he made like a hollowed out back of a clock that opens with a magnet lock. So you just oh. slide the magnet over it and it unlocks it. And he keeps like, it basically there's just a pistol and the clip that are like inside this clock inside of his house. And it's a cool looking clock too. You wouldn't yeah. even notice it. And he was like, he was like, check this out. And he was just like, click. And then I was like, whoa, shit. It's like yeah. behind your, yeah. And it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's uh, interesting for sure. It caused up a lot of, uh. Makes you almost conflict your own viewpoints on things sometimes and whatnot. Yeah. I'll take them. 20. I'll that's take some, 20. That's something I need. <laughs> I, I like the idea of a, of a hidden thing like that, too, actually. so They also yeah. have those weird fucking desk things that hold your pistol in place. Oh, underneath yeah. Underneath your desk. And you yeah. Just, you just pull it forward to that's fucking nuts. cock it back. It'd be convenient for, like, convenient stores where you have the counters, you know? Yeah. Were you about to get robbed? <laughs> Shit. Dude, I've seen so many videos of clerks just not giving a fuck and they're like i'm gonna shoot you in my store like get out <laughs> or they steal the gun from them or just anything crazy the funniest one is the dude who came in to steal from like a vape shop i think and went to pull out his gun and then dropped it on the counter uh... <laughs> and the girl grabbed it and starts shooting at him as he's running out with his own gun i think <laughs> the other funniest like encounter i've seen is where these two uh, skater kids they go into a convenience store and the guy uh, one of them asks the guy for smokes and then so the other one is just loading up his bag with chips and sodas oh, and all yeah. that shit. And then a, guy, a masked guy comes in with a shotgun, pumps it in the face, and both the kids are in their aisle. They're like, holy shit, we're getting, this place is getting robbed right now. So they throw their skateboards against the counter. The guy's like, what the fuck was that? Then they bum rush the dude, drop a display over him, grab his gun, throw it to the clerk, and fucking dip out of yeah. there. Oh. And then the, you see, you, at the end of the video, you just see the fucking clerk jump up on the counter, pointing the gun, <laughs> kill shot at the fucking dude. That's great. I love that. That's like lawful evil. <laughs> or like new, chaotic, chaotic neutral. neutral. It's just funny that those kids came in to steal, and they're like, oh, shit. Still got wrong their place, shit. And help the clerk. I, I think one of the... the that's see that that's like fun and a whimsical like takedown of like you know a robber and whatnot. Yeah, for and real. then I've seen some really like brutal things done. So it was this guy had like a cam on his motorcycle, and he was driving through like this like this like thin road with all these uh, trees and whatnot going by it. And then a guy like stops him on the side of the road, is, like standing in front of him yeah. and pulls a knife on him. 
and is like, like, you know, basically give me your bike is basically what it is. So the dude gets on, gets on the bike about to like take off with it, you know? And then the motorcyclist pulls a pistol out of his back, domes the guy, throws him off and then takes off on the motorcycle. Oh, I saw that wow. video. Yeah, dude, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> You're just God like, damn. holy shit. Just murdered someone in the middle of the woods. I- yeah, like I mean the wrong I, bike, I mean, I mean, motherfucker. Yeah, you don't, don't. I mean, this just don't, don't hold, don't steal a person's bike. Just don't, don't steal just shit. Just don't. Right? Yeah, can don't, you, don't. Can you imagine him going home and uploading that and being like, "Yeah, this shit's legit. I'm gonna put like, this on." <laughs> <laughs> like this is going on the internet. Yeah, it puts Curtis it up will immediately. Love this. <laughs> the only thing I could think of that was better than that was the child molester who got shot point blank while he's walking out of the courthouse when he was found not guilty. Oh, you see that shit? No. <laughs> yeah, the dad was standing there like by a payphone, turns around, shoots him in the head with a revolver and kills him on the spot after like he found out that the trial basically failed and people were like, yeah, and then he got brought before a judge and the judge was like, meh, that's not a big deal. The dude, like, he just didn't care. He gave him like community service. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, he did not sentence him for murder. It was Yo, nuts. Yo, that's justice. Yeah, he got justice his own justice was served that. on that day. I was like, oh, damn, all right. Uh, well, shit. <laughs> So you, what movie do you want to talk about first? Uh, I kind of want to talk about Green Room yeah, first. Yeah. Let's talk about Green Room. Let's talk about Green Room first. So so Green Room Green <laughs> Green Room was written and directed by Jeremy Solnier. Solnier? How do you say his last name? Solnier. Okay. He was known for directing Blue Ruin, which premiered at the Keynes Film Festival. And it's one of the only films that year that was funded by Kickstarter. Fully funded Completely. by Kickstarter. So it didn't get any money from a studio, so he didn't have anyone reaching into his movie to, like, fuck with it. And it was a huge success, but it didn't have the distribution that most big movies have, so no one really saw it. Yeah, it, this movie, Green Room and Blue Ruin, and one other movie are considered to be his clusterfuck trilogy, <laughs> where shit just gets really bad. Yeah. And I think the, the main character from Blue Ruin is actually in this movie. Uh, he plays the Nazi guy that like actually wins his red red laces. Oh yes, yeah, that guy's yep. in it. Um, I think it's Macon Blair as Gabe. I think you're right. I'm pretty, yep, pretty sure it's him. But this does star Anton Yelchin, who was well known for playing uh, Pavel Chekhov in the new Star Trek reboots. And who unfortunately died in a freak accident. Yeah, I remember hearing about that years ago. So fucking unfortunate. Yeah, I, his brakes in his car, I guess, just gave out randomly when he was trying to unlock his gate. And the car just rolled back and crushed him against the gate. Yeah. Like, what kind of weird shit? Uh, well, apparently the company that makes the Jeep Cherokee, which was the car that, that smashed him, uh, they knew that their brakes were kind of faulty and let they sent out like those recalls. And I guess mm. he just didn't listen to the recall. So it's kind of like one of those moments where, you, yeah, if you get a recall for your car for something, go fix it because uh, it could end up killing you in a freak accident. But uh, it's it's one of those things that like people are just super surprised about because you usually hear about famous people like hitting a tree or something or like overdosing overdosing like one of the, he was really just like a freak accident so anyone associated with him was like oh this is fucking terrible yeah that's hard to he hear. was so young too he was what like in his 30s like early 30s? uh i think he was like late 20s oh shit yeah he was, he was pretty young uh it also stars joe cole who played luke and skins and john shelby in peaky blinders i love the peaky Blinders. everyone loves that show I need to watch it. I mean, Me it's too. really just a bunch of dudes in fuckboy haircuts doing fuckboy shit, but, like, it's enjoyable. That sounds fun. <laughs> sounds uh, like your type of show. <laughs> Damn. 
called out. I know. Why are you calling me out? Right now? Jeez. Uh, I see you. Um, it also stars Aliyah Shockett, also known as Maybe from Arrested Development. Hi, Maybe. <laughs> I love that show, dude. Especially with David Wallace. Oh my fucking god! Being the blue man. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Just having a rest of I blew myself. Fucking. Okay. Oh my god. Um, and then it also stars Imogen Poots, known for playing Tammy in 20, 28 weeks later. Yeah, she hasn't really been in anything else. Just she like a few been, small yeah. things, but her face is really recognizable. And she had the well. I don't really know what her haircut was. Like the skin bird it was haircut. like a it was like a mullet mixed with something else. It's like a like common bangs. haircut that skinhead girls would wear. Oh, okay, I didn't yeah. know that. What is it called? Uh, I don't know the exact word, for but it. but it's like yeah. you would see it. Um, not saying that Tank Girl is a neo Nazi, but Tank Girl has that same haircut. You know, she has like the bangs and the two yeah. strips. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Shorten the rest. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and then of course, last but not least, the big dick motherfucker himself. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart, the Yay. other big dick motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> right, officially knighted by the queen. What a G. Yeah, All right, it's for no, his contribution it, to the dramatic arts. It's obvious you know what he's from. He's yeah. from X-Men. He's from Fucking Star, Star Trek. Trek. The next generation. He did a really good playthrough of Macbeth. God, that was uh, so good. Uh, uh, <laughs> one of his uh, most noteworthy performances was on Sesame Street for the letter B. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you have not seen his uh, bit on B, oh my uh, God. highly recommend watching highly that. Highly recommend this. <laughs> <laughs> to be or not a B. I love that. I love that so many people have just shown up randomly on Sesame Street. Yeah. Timeless classic. It's still running, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It almost got shut down because they weren't getting funding because the networks weren't getting funding because of Trump. Sounds about right. Trump almost killed Sesame Street. The fuck? Ooh. Yeah, fuck that guy. Um, the movie has a five had a five million dollar budget and only grossed three point eight million. It tanked. Yeah. Well, that wasn't their fault though because they didn't get the distribution that they wanted out of the film or they did it too late and by the time a24 picked it up uh it had lost a lot of its hype so when it came out no one really watched it and so it was just like low uh, attendance but it has really good ratings like people actually like this film a lot yeah i was really surprised because i i don't very surprised by the ratings on this one um you guys didn't like it well we'll we'll get get all right we'll get to it in a second we'll get to it in a second Um, so he also became obsessed with making a film in a green room or the waiting area for bands prior yeah, to the show. Yeah, if you don't know what a green room is referencing in this case for like bands and it's where like you smoke pot, theater art, it's like uh, where you wait until you're on. Like yeah. it's just a holding area. It's not always a green room, too. In this case, it was actually a green room, though. It was. Yeah, the walls were painted like a slight. Like, oh shit! I didn't even notice that. green color. It was shot in Portland, Oregon, but the, all the scenes inside the area were shot in uh, Budapest. Yeah. Wait. What? <laughs> yeah. Why? Oh wait. Wrong movie. That's Don't Breathe. Don't Breathe was shot in Hungary. Yeah. 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 Don't Breathe was the interior shots were shot. Which in is weird, Budapest. considering it's set in Detroit. Right. right. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Um, and then it had distribution through A24, which also dedicated it to Yelchin. After yeah, the they had a nice dedication for him at the end of their DVDs. They added it in last minute uh, after they found out he died like the following year. Yeah. Which All right. was 2016, I think. So initial it, thoughts, though. You guys said you didn't like it. It's OK. Here's What's the thing. Your gripes. We, we got a, We got a premise that's made for success here. 
Okay. You got a punk band dealing with neo-Nazis trying yeah. to escape their wrath and fucking with guns. And they're trying to get the fuck away from Nazis. Everything that a punk stands for is everything a Nazi hates. So automatically it would seem that you're going to see a bunch of Nazi killing from a band with punk rock music playing. But what I got was poor writing and really good actors trying to fucking pull together a script that sh- probably shouldn't have been made. I'm going to be honest. I, we have been, we can be forgiving of dumb decisions by characters in movies, but there were a slew of dumb decisions by these characters that in this too. particular situation. Please elaborate. Oh, so, all right. First of all, you don't split the party. This is like rule number one. Two of them, one of them, the jujitsu, jujitsu boy runs out of the fucking, the fucking window and then oh, immediately yeah, gets immediately. stabbed to death. And yeah. I was just like, how do you, how do you like do so well working together with all your buddies? And then all of a sudden just think that you can go off by yourself yeah. all of a sudden. I think that was kind of like the first lesson here is if you're in like a situation of peril, stay with your group. It's better to work in numbers when you're against numbers. Just saying. Who was Number the other? Then there was the other, the, the guy, the kid with the dog who just like, oh, wait, was it? Who, who was the kid that like rushed someone? He like rushed somebody. I'm trying to remember. I know one the tiger kid. guy, right? With the green hair. He yes. I think he just go. like rushed someone that he really should not have been rushing. I sub- I don't know. It was just a lot of like bad plays by some of these, like, by a lot of the no. like, well, they got taken out, like, immediately. I was actually yeah. kind of surprised by that when I watched this the first time. Because I thought they were at least going to get, like, a little little screen time getting into the action. But they were out, like, right away. Now, here's the thing. I know what the movie was trying to portray with this. Because the band is in a position where they don't... They are not comfortable in whatsoever. They are right. not ready to fight. They're not warriors. They do not have guns. They're not trained in anything like these Nazis are. Nazis are trained pretty much. They know how to use their guns. They know how to cause violence. Sort of. <laughs> they're some, they're, a, they're kind extent. of. There's some incompetent. They are very incompetent. But in, here's the thing. This one. On the other hand, we have Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. His character. Darcy. Very Darcy. Very organized. Very clean. Gets everything to a T. Has timelines on everything. He never fucked up. Everyone else fucked it up for him. Like, I need this done by morning. This yeah. needs to be done now. He's. So here's the you have these two opposite things colliding and they're I know that they were trying to portray it. They even do it with the analogy with a paintball story. Oh yeah. Which he doesn't get to explain till like the last act of the movie. But literally when the chick who is the guitar player, when they're like about to go do their full on rush, she literally screams fuck it and throws like the glass thing. It just embodies the movie imperfectly because they're not comfortable. They don't know. They're saying fuck it. They're like, I don't give we might die, fuck it, you know? And then these guys are more, all right, we know what we have to do. Here's our objectives. Let's get it done. These situations are probably not new to their kind, you know? Well, okay. So I can agree that they missed an opportunity to make a good film about some punk kids fighting off neo-Nazis. But they're fucking kids, and this is exactly what I expected to happen. The From a group of what I can only assume was pretty well-organized neo-Nazis if they're led by Darcy. Yeah. So it's like... Not only that, but he called in 
like due to actually murder people so like the red laces the red lace nazis which is like an actual thing like that yeah. so like you, they did some of their homework when it came to like the neo-nazism they included in the film you get your red laces after you make like a somewhat sacrifice of blood well apparently the, the nazis the dude basically you have to either fuck someone up who is a different color than you or kill someone who's a different color than you. Yeah, pretty much. To get your red laces. I mean, dude, he even got those kids to like stab each other and that so was they funny. go to prison. Yeah, to throw off the police. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but I mean, it's fully what I expected. Like, I really didn't expect them to do much. I knew that they were here's here's my, also another problem. What Darcy was saying and all his plan was like when it was unfolding. I couldn't follow any of it because he was just speaking so fast because things were happening super fast. I was just like, what are they talking about? Is he talking about the group that's going in? He's talking about the band. Is he talking about the neo-Nazis that just came? I'm just like, what is going on? He's like, I need this to happen. I need this to happen. I was like, where do I follow this? And they do it because there's a twist at the end. Right. And like the twist does not pay off in my opinion. Like, oh, we were going to just make it look like you came on our property siphoning gas. And like, I was just like, well, I mean, that was like yeah. their initial plan. Yeah, but I think they had talked about it from the beginning. He wanted to stage it. You right. Know? He wanted them to be taken out near the area. But when the police came to investigate, look at like make it look like something else had happened away from their property. Well, Darcy comments at some point that Worm, the guy who stabbed Emily, actually saved them because Daniel had a piece of evidence from a prior crime that they had in the back of his trunk. Yeah. So he was like, oh, actually, Worm ended up saving all of us. And, like, that girl was going to, like, supposed to die because she was going to take Daniel and run away. So that was the only thing I was mad about was that Daniel goes into the to the bar and it's like, I know exactly where to keep the gun and then gets a shot in the Oh, you mean head. the guy from Scott Pilgrim versus the World? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> which he def- I he, thought he looked familiar. He defects immediately. He after- looks way meaner in this one, which is... Interesting. I, I feel like there just wasn't enough build up to like why is Emily getting killed off other than like, oh, she's leaving now. It's kind of like something that's mentioned in passing. Okay, she's yeah. trying to leave the group, so we're gonna kill yeah. her off because we're mad that she's leaving the group. And I was just kind of like, Well, you could have done more to like build up her character because she like shows up and looks interesting and then that interest is completely gone when you you've just killed the character off so we don't right. have anything else to go well off that of. was that was the reason they're they the, they don't like anyone leaving the brotherhood of course not i mean i get i get that but like that's enough for them that's my point is that like you didn't need it to us it's like that's ridiculous but to the neo-nazis who are like that is like their brothers they don't want any of them to leave so that's enough reason to kill someone you know what i mean no, I I understand. They, I just they know I, I felt like the I, 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 it makes sense. I just don't think it was executed well. All right, for it to be like this, like this, like pivotal moment. Because then, if you because if you missed her in the crowd at all, then there's just a random dead person in the room when they get in there, yeah. and then it's just sort of like, what the fuck? Like this was my second time watching the film, and the first time I didn't even notice her. Like honestly, when she showed up dead, I was like, <laughs> who's this? And the whole the twist where she was going to run away of that one dude, I completely missed that the first time I watched it. Like, I, I, I noticed it, but it didn't quite click with me they, that, yeah, that that's what was I'm... going on. But when I watched it for the second time, it made a little more sense. I feel like this is a movie that there's a lot of little things happening constantly that it, it's worth watching it again to pick up on those things. Because I agree with Darcy explaining everything and going through the motions. I, a lot of things that were confusing to me as well, watching it again, kind of knowing what was going to happen. It made a little more sense. You can pick up on some things. That's the thing. Like there was that whole subplot, like, Oh, they killed her during this song. Like, I don't care. I don't give a fuck. She's dead. I will say the prop with her head with the knife stuck in it. Pretty good prop. 
Uh, yeah, that looks that, that pretty she, like, yeah. she, like, moves her with the knife in her well, hand. Well, that was fucking gross. The song was supposed to be important because that was supposed to be their cue to run out of the venue together. So, like, they were trying to make some romantic escape. Oh, I see. So, the song... See, I didn't even pick up on and, that. Well, the girl explains it to her. She's like, that song, what, the meat wolf shit, the... Yeah. It was supposed to have been, like, their cue to leave. But because she got killed in the room and the band went on to play... It's just like that's not how it happened. Mm-hmm. The, although the fucking best line in the movie, I think, came from fucking Worm, who came in and was like, "What was the song you played?" He's like, "Yeah, that shit was hard. I fucking <laughs> I did her to that song." And then just walks out. I'm like, "Dude, this guy's fucking nuts." Yeah. But like, I love that he was like, "Yeah, I fucking killed you that. That shit's hard." Yeah, that was that was that was a good scene. Yeah. I did like that because then you're just sort of like, "Wow, I'm dealing with some pretty like yeah. like like sociopathic people." I, yeah. I thought Big Jim. I thought he was David. For, or whatever that dude's now. I thought he was fucking Hopper from Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, it looks like oh, him. It shit. totally looks like him. I thought yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah talk about Dude, a fucking terrible situation. Talk about getting fucking gutted. Yeah. Holy shit. From his, like, I wasn't ready for that. Lower stomach all the way up. <laughs> I was like not expecting she that She didn't even all. do like a, like a fast swipe. She just did like a slow cut. It was, it was the most casual, like, yeah. oh, oh, you're dead. I, now you're dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For real. Right, here, here's something I got to point out. They get a lot of their, the band is a believable band. Yeah. How they, how they travel from place to place by siphoning gas. This happens all the time with yeah, people I see and it things. Before. How they play that little shitty diner. It's like, all right, we got six bucks between us. To get 300 miles back home, shit. we have enough for, like, one tank. This is real shit that happens with bands. And then them meeting the, the fucking Salsa Verde fanzine fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> Recording them for a fucking interview and shit. I love that. I love the guy's apartment. It has, he has, like, two Dillinger Escape Plan fucking posters. Nice. He has a poster for Warbringer. He has Fear Record. So I feel like details. the guy is a real thing. Here's the thing. With this movie, I feel like it captures the essence of the 80s hardcore scene, but not to its fullest extent. So in a way, this movie is a poser of what it's trying to do. <laughs> oh, the film's out. a poser. <laughs> so here's the thing. With the 80s, you have fights, guns, people fucking fighting each other, killing each other, stabbing each other. Very violent shows, very raw aggression. It's like from the L.A. scene with Black Flag and stuff all the way to the New York scene with like other bands. I can't name any right now. Fuck. But... It was very violent, and you had Nazis fighting regular punks. You had Nazis fighting black people. Right. You have all these groups you know clashing what? on each I'm other. I'm glad you brought it up because that was one of the questions I had. Was It seemed to me that the director did do some research on Nazism and skinheads and things like that, but didn't actually go that deep into it because they warn about skinheads. They warn about other things, but from everything I've ever heard, skinheads were working-class people. They were labor, OG like the labor heads. party. OG yeah. skinheads yeah. were. So they were like they were like laborers in the UK who who basically were fighting back against the government, and then yeah. neo Nazism came as like a a piece of that where they took their image and then decided to start doing all these terrible things. So there was no distinction in this film. They like were all wrapped up into one, and they were like, "Nope, they're all neo Nazis." Yeah. Fun, fun fact: There's also a, like skinheads are like a not a united like. Yeah, thing. that so there's like sharps skinheads against racial prejudice. Yeah, that's yeah. A thing. also that that's a thing that exists. It's a fairly large organization, and there's like straights, and then there's there's 
I'm trying to remember all of the one. My my brother was a skinhead at one Those point. Those are the guys that just they don't drink, anyway. they don't do drugs. Like yeah, I would imagine so. Probably like straight yeah. edge, like straight edge ones. But then you like because like the original one was just like a working class yeah. style thing, like what we were just talking about. These are the people that came up with like the slogan "No gods, no masters." Like these are the people who are like, no, we're not going to listen to anything that the government has. They were tired of monarchies, things like that. There is a big uprising of Chicano skinheads coming back yeah, it's just, yeah. in, in L.A. County. And I know a couple people who are a part of that like movement. It's pretty interesting because they're trying like a lot of people will try to call them out online. Like you're basically projecting Nazis and they're like, I'm literally brown. I fuck a racist. Like, can you not <laughs> like look it up? I hope they don't go the route of the brown braids where they have a lot of misogyny and won't let any women rise up in the organization. Oh, I don't think but so. You never know. Though. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> because the, most men don't do well with giving power to someone else, especially women. And that's the thing I also wanted to bring up. I'm glad that they didn't push the bass player fucking uh, thing to the girl. Like, usually oh, the girl right. is the that's bass true. player. Yeah, but it was the dude that ended up surviving. He was the, blaze, the yeah, bass player, Yeah, what the player, fuck? The he? bass player is the leader? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never. Twist. Dude, his arm was mangled by the end of that. Oh, that was fucking brutal. Like, I've <laughs> seen a lot of shit in movies, but that sliced up arm was yeah, something else. That was some good this fucking This movie has work. good practical yeah, effects. Yeah, good practical effects yeah. in that. Um, so, on the topic of the skinheads and the Nazis, do you feel like this movie may have been some social commentary on the time that it came out and cause this came out what 2016 like right when Trump was like getting elected and there oh, was all right, these, huh? these Nazi gr- uh, gatherings that were happening. No, still, still happening. I, I, still, yeah. happening. <laughs> still happening. I've always been but, happening just a little more publicly. Yeah. Now. I don't believe so because this movie was originally released in 2015. And I mean, it was still like, but here, was here's still, the thing though. Yeah. Here's the thing though. Nazism in America was pretty prevalent when, you know, Trump was trying to get into office, but it exploded as soon as he got into office. Yeah. So this movie coming out prior, I don't believe it had anything really about social commentary other than the guy wanted to make a movie about punkers killing Nazis. He, mm, yeah, that's probably that's because that's the thing. Like the thing is that I want to agree with you because Nazism has gone up on the rise within the last four years, last five years, last six years. But now when Trump was admitted into the office, that's when every person who was like that was like, all right, now's our time, boys. You look on the subreddits, you look on 4chan, you got that whole proud boy movement, the alt-right, all that stuff was like, it was brewing, but it wasn't felt, didn't feel like it had a power or a backing to it until the the fucking fat man was in office. Didn't yeah. It, yeah, they didn't. It didn't give them a platform. They didn't have like a platform really. Um, yeah, it's like that Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio meme. That's my guy. That's me right there. Yeah, oh my God. I mean, I honestly agree with you because as far as you know, the context of who the characters were, I don't think there really was any like very explicit social commentary. It was more like they were Nazis and they're Nazis because they're bad guys, and you know that they're bad guys. Because everyone knows yeah. that Nazis are bad guys. But besides that, there wasn't a whole lot of like moral lessons learned. No. The only moral that really came from the story is to just go for it. Like That was sort of the whole <laughs> yeah. basis Fuck of it. this. It seems like a misplaced moral teaching in a film that probably should have been about other things. Like what you had said, it had. Uh, I think it had bigger potential to be like, if you were going to just go full-blown Nazi killing, it could have been like a cooler movie. Kind of like how, uh, what was the... Not Dead Snow. Uh, well, Dead Snow is a fun film for killing Nazis. Overlord? But, but Overlord. Like, those two films were really fun because they just went full-blown. They're like, that, this movie's about killing Nazis. That's it. 
I want it, my Nazi killing movies to be as over the top as Wolfenstein. <laughs> They're not. Wolfenstein. I mean, I, I guess the, those movies don't really touch to maybe Overlord does a little bit, and that's like wartime, like Nazi yeah. Germany's type of stuff that they touch on. And in this one, I, I feel like it explored the culture a little bit. Yeah, that surrounds those ideologies. So it and it made them more. It made them seem more organized. It made them seem more dangerous. Right. And then it made them seem scarier as well. Because are Nazis scary? Most people will tell you yes. That ideology is scary. Only if they're high and, ranking. And, and, and well, yeah. I'd have to say too. I think the choice of using Nazis might have been social commentary because I think around that time is when it started to become a little more known that this is still something prevalent in America. Yeah, that we had to deal so with. So I think the use of Nazis is really just a relatable thing. You know, yeah, he it wanted, was something that was starting to become known in the public yeah. consciousness. Well, it's like you said earlier. He they wanted to put someone in there who was a known enemy. Yeah, they wanted to establish that yeah. these are the antagonists. These are the antagonists. There's no one else here that's going to do anything bad. It's just them. Mm-hmm. You want to know what other movie has Nazis as the antagonist? Every movie in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Honestly, they were like, you know what we should do? We should make some Nazi killing movies. Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds I, great. I, I feel like this movie, the point of this movie wasn't, so much to be like Nazis are bad. You know, I don't think that was like the, the point. I think the point was put people in a situation that they are not prepared for. Right. And then see if they survive it or not. Yeah. And then we'll use the, you know, the political backdrop of this group as like a reason why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. I didn't think- also. So you don't feel bad about what happens to the antagonists in the end. Yeah. Yep. I didn't think they were going to live when they played Nazi punks. Fuck off by the dead candy. Okay. So you brought this up earlier. This is a good point. They, they would have definitely been, like, brought off the stage and taken outside and probably beaten for something like that. I was surprised originally they were just going to let them leave. Like, they even paid them. They paid them. They were getting their... Well, okay, they were paying them and getting their luggage out because the girl had already died. Yeah, they, they were, were trying, trying to, to clear get the area. really fast. But the dude went in to get the charger and then just fucked everyone. Yeah. So they got brought into the mess because the girl forgot her charger. The Moral of the here. story, keep track of your shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for real. That, that's but what I was going to say. While we're talking about the nazis and how they were let's talk about patrick fucking stewart as a fucking nazi one of the only redeeming factors in this movie oh my god so he's amazing as his character but i gotta say hearing him say the n-word with the hard r was jarring yeah (laughs) (laughs) he is such a nice wholesome person that i was like dang dude like that's like that hurt Yeah, that took that definitely took some like wholesome points off a little bit. Just kind of just scrubbed them right off there. Well, it gets to the topic of like, are you cool with actors saying it for the sake of acting? I think it was less for the sake of acting and really to drive home the point that he too is also a bad guy because yeah. you know he was very organized and on top yeah. of his shit and like. He could go out into the world and be seen as a respectable person, not necessarily as a Nazi. He could play the face, you know. But as soon as he, like, let down that face and exposed that he is, you know, actually a piece of right. shit. I mean, if you couldn't tell before by him trying to kill these kids that he was a piece of shit, him also using the hard R, I feel like, just kind of drove home the point that, like, this guy has to go. He's a problem. You're, you're trying to, He's trying to portray a type of person to you. Yeah. yeah. And the type of person he's trying to portray uses the hard R. Yeah. That's that. that and, and so therefore that's what is you want to yep. make the performance believable. Then, yeah. you know, right. If he had said it on multiple <laughs> occasions throughout his dialogue, then I probably would have thought a little differently about it. But considering they said it once to kind of just at the end to really drive home that point, yeah. I think that it was I, I never say that the use of the N word in any film is tasteful, but I would say that it was useful for what they were trying to go for. There's of course other ways they can go about it. Okay. But 
<laughs> I just hope everybody knows that I'm black. I- <laughs> <laughs> Can you put that in there, guys? I'm black. <laughs> it's like there's a part where it goes, I'm black, and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Literally, I'm about to cut it like that. <laughs> I just I just want everyone to know that I'm black. Great. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mer. So welcome back. <laughs> Justine is black. <laughs> just yes, in case you didn't know. I just found out today. Right. <laughs> I am indeed a woman who is black. Nice. Just say it. Okay, that's it. That's all I got to say. So, <laughs> so what I wanted to bring up is the dynamic of Patrick Stewart's character. Yeah. You see him trying to clear the venue, and he's at, he sounds like a genuine venue owner. Right. Like, Hey guys, like we're the show, the power's off. Like we had to go on the backup generator. Like come like again Monday for another show. Like here's free, some free drinks, drinks, you know. I like that he's always stressing about fire codes too. He's like, watch the fucking fire. This is a fire hazard. Get the yeah. shit out the way. He's like <laughs> mad as hell that that shit's in but the way. When Patrick Stewart read the script for this movie, he felt super like scared. He felt actually like terrified. He like had to lock his house. He had to put his alarms on. He had to fucking like sit with like a gun near him. And then he had a, he had a drink scotch to calm himself down because he honestly was scared of the like story that it was. And then he decided that he wanted to do the role because he wanted to play something that he's never played before. Oh shit. Something that's terrifying and something that just utterly shakes him as an actor. God damn. Well, all right. I, I was not expecting And the dude that. is a fucking badass because he takes like three shots to the fucking back before trying to take a shot at other people. He even people. turns around and shoots He turns to shoot. He's yeah. ready and then he gets shot in the head. Well, shit. Glad no dogs died. Glad they used fake dog uh, props as well. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Oh, no. They, yeah, they, no, no, neither no, of the dogs in the green room died. Away. Uh, the owner got killed. That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah that was the, sad. Yeah, he goes and finds him. It was sad oh. when the dog came back to him. It was sad. I feel like it's also sort of that moment was commentary about abusive relationships and how a lot of times people that get involved with these hate groups are kind of indoctrined into it when they're at a young age. Their parents are into it. You know, they get exposed to it and they don't really know any better. And I feel like in a way it was like comparing the dogs to these people. Yeah. You know, because they didn't really know any better. They were just doing what they were told. Oh, yeah. It made me think of like the Nazi youth. When yeah. when they when he was like training all of the kids to join the German army because he was like all about the thousand year Reich, which was like well, we're gonna be in power for fucking thousands of years, and like was ready to train all these new kids for it and everything. So it's like that's not surprising to me at all that they would do some sort of illusion like that. It's kind of scary in a way to think that this is still something that's going on. So in a way, yeah. his Reich is still continuing. You know, it's not Dude, as prevalent yeah. in Germany as it is here. It's definitely still going on in Germany, but they actually have like laws in place preventing them from practicing you can't even do the nazi salute in public they yeah. will arrest you for that versus here in america where we still don't have the kkk or the neo-nazis <sighs> as hate groups or as terrorist organizations yeah, but you know we're trying to get antifa as a terrorist terrorist organization which is ironic because it's yeah. literally anti-fascist but whatever whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> shrug yeah. I, it's just this like is america the shrug is like for all of america because like we've been we've been discussing this like on the front line of like what are these racial politics that we've been discussing for like i don't know 80 years and like we haven't really made that much progress so it's just like that's why we have so much uh uprising from people recently to be like uh this shit needs to change <laughs> 
So that's definitely one of the things we were talking about after watching it because it was like, oh, wow, we're like seeing a lot of allusions to what's happening right now. It's interesting, too, that it took a global pandemic for people to just stop and actually reflect on what's going on. Right. Because they can't do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> so they're just now like, you really have to sit and think. Like, they're they're hooked into the to the news at this point, And yeah. like anything new that happens is being seen by everybody. So there's just there's no passing it up because you're at work or like you didn't look at the news that day. It's like all you're doing is staying home and watching all of the news. So it's not a surprising thing. Mm -hmm. But I digress from public things that are happening at the moment. Do you guys have any final thoughts about a green room? Yes, I do. <laughs> Go ahead. I think the entire scene where they get the jump on those two guys was executed flawlessly. Yeah, that I was a good scene. I thought it was dope. How they oh, dress yeah. up, how one of the chicks is hiding in the couch. Oh, yeah. She drops How the she drops down. the bodies, yeah. and the guy's like, oh, fuck. And he shoots. He's like, you're fucking dumb. And then she puts another, and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Fires all his bullets. That she takes the, the clip out of the gun and drops it. The guy gets stoked. Fucking caps him. That, that, I mean, okay, but the way she fucking shoots him, that was one sick. through the fucking spine and one in his fucking skull, like that that's like hard. she shot someone before. <laughs> she was way too prepared for this. And it yeah. makes me wonder. There, she <laughs> did have a little commentary about where she had come from before. Yeah, but she's not a Nazi, okay? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, but she yeah. hangs out with Nazis, so she's a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, I would have to assume that she, because even the dude that they had prisoner in the room with them, she was like nice to him. Yeah. Gave him a cigarette and everything. Well, the cigarette was more to keep track of him after they cut the power. But he was like, thanks. Like, called her by her name. And oh, everything. yeah. Yeah, then she, then well, she, she fucking him. gutted him. That's yeah. true. You're right. She did gut him. And she did also <laughs> know them because she rolled with the band. So she yeah. was around them. And they had mentioned, too, that the band that uh, did the killing was, like, one of their house bands. Somebody that they play regularly. <coughs> Who ended up dying at the end, right? Yeah, they overdosed on heroin, ironically enough. Damn. Yeah, that was a... Uh, well, You'll, you'll see. You'll see. Also, also, this band is run by hipsters. No online presence. What right. The they even, okay, their moment where they explain it. <laughs> yeah, there's a sign. You're talking about the protagonist band, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, they, when they talk about how they don't have any online presence because music is like this single moment yeah. that only occurs for as long as it is and yeah. then it ends. And that is all music ever is. Yeah, you, you can't, can't, you can't yeah. live stream it. You can't, you can't stream something like that and, and whatnot. And I was just kind of like... Okay. Like, okay. I, right. I really hate people like that. I think that's super cheesy. But at the same time, I do think that is something that's really magical about seeing a live performance. Something that's a lot different than seeing like something streamed on YouTube is there's there's something different about standing in a room with people and experiencing the energy, the excitement like firsthand and like getting the vibes from everyone, you know, but I still think it was kind of yeah, cheesy. It, it, it was definitely uh, kind of cheesy and definitely like Merced, a hipster moment. Yeah. For them. We were just kind of like, oh, okay. Same, All right. same with the uh, same with their fucking desert island band list thing. Just yeah. like, I love that their choices uh, were like horrible. No, not Black Sabbath. Maybe, well, not Black Sabbath, but like everything else. Like, uh, fuck the Cro-Mags. I'm gonna say it right here. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I got a platform. I'm gonna use it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then let's move into the movie Don't Breathe. Oof, which was like very like uniquely original and i enjoyed it a lot that movie like, was anxiety city but yeah mm. shit yeah i like real. this movie a lot more uh yeah you know what after going through all of the analysis and like watching it recently today recently today watching it today 
uh, I did like it a little more just because it seemed really unique. It was original and it didn't use uh, like too much violence to like scare you. There's not a whole lot of, like jump scares. And so, but we'll get into it. So basically this film was directed by Fide Alvarez and he co-wrote it with uh, Roto Sayagues, who are both known for the Evil Dead reboot. The Evil Dead Fucking reboot. Phenomenal. Which was really was dope. I liked it a lot, it but it got fun. mixed reviews. People didn't really like it. I liked it. But it was like an official, like approved reboot because it was done to the production company founded by Sam Raimi, the original fucking director of Evil Dead. So it's like he saw that he did a good job in Evil Dead, so he's like, We're gonna make a new film and we're gonna do Don't Breathe. But this movie was made like in response to the criticism he got for Evil Dead. A lot of people said that Evil Dead was too violent, which is dumb because the original was violent. And then they were also saying that it should have been, like, funny, but it was, like, a serious reboot. Yep. So that was, like, the biggest criticism. So he's like, fine, fuck it. I'll make a movie that doesn't have any of those things and then made this movie and did a really good job with it. So that's how he ended up making this one. The company is Ghost House Pictures, which was founded by Sam Raimi, who I just told you directed the original. The budget was $9.9 9 They grossed $157 million. Wow. That's good. Ooh. This is like nuts for the for their company to make that much money. So uh, he is in production to make the sequel for the film, and he's going to direct another movie because Sam Raimi is like, you just made me a lot of fucking money. <laughs> so good job, boy. Yeah, we're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're about to make some more money by making more movies. But the film stars Jane Levi, known for the being the main person in the Evil Dead reboot. It also has Dylan Minnette, who is known for his role as Clay Jensen in uh 13 reasons why on netflix so, i still haven't watched that uh, nobody nah. needs to watch that no one needs to watch nah. it. Boo. it's 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 like seriously just glorifying suicide and then you watch 13 fucking episodes about why this white girl killed herself and why we should care no offense to people who kill themselves but like it's like that is just that's what the fucking whole show is about and you're Isn't like this there is like awful. three seasons yeah there's like fucking what are the other two seasons, seasons about then more oh, the more shit. tapes that she left for her friends and like all the terrible things that she was going through so again it's like it was supposed to like bring awareness to people committing suicide but all it did was actually cause people to commit suicide which was a bad thing that was like happening from that show but it has nothing to do with what we're talking about uh it also stars Stephen lang who is known for his roles in uh gettysburg tombstone gods and generals public enemies and avatar he's the crazy marine in avatar who hunts them the big guy the, oh, the, the guy white dude the mech blockhead yeah, yeah exactly i oh. loved his character in that movie and i think he's perfect role for yeah that and then also this movie he was perfectly cast for it yep he's been heavily typecasted as that like super mean ruthless military man and in this case the only thing he had going was that he was blind but yeah. he was an army vet in this movie, so he still fit that typecast, ironically. Um, but Fide Alvarez made note that this was definitely a reaction to people hating Evil Dead reboot because he wanted to show his chops as a director and was like, all right, then I'll make this movie and made this one and made a whole bunch of money, got positive reviews, and then everybody stopped criticizing him. Here, here's the thing. I feel like this just happens a lot with horror people horror directors specifically where they they make a phenomenal cult classic film or a reboot that's actually really good and it's beyond fucking bloody and gory because that's what horror fans like that's what i like that's what i i dig i dig special effects like that and then 
you got everyone being like, oh, that fucking thing, that thing was too bloody, it was too scary, blah, 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 blah. So they're like, he's not really a director, you know? He's just more of like a fucking torture porn kind of guy. Right. So then they got to fucking like kick themselves in the face, like be like, I'm a serious director. I could do something that's mature with less blood. Watch. And then here it is. It happened with James Wan. Yeah, exactly. Like Saw happened. People didn't really respect him. So then he made Insidious. Yep. Which was a good film. (laughs) So So I feel like that this is like occurring more and more, which just makes me fucking beg the question for people listening. Why the fuck are you heavily criticizing horror movies? Oh, wait. <laughs> there is a mirror of and i'm looking at myself right now did you just freak yourself out no i'm just messing with you uh, because we're heavily criticizing horror no movies. i get you <laughs> well, i mean we we honestly don't really our podcast is not about telling you about horrible movies this like, we don't normally be like, look at how terrible this movie was. You guys should, like, go watch this terrible movie. Yeah, you got Mystery Science Theater 3000 for that shit. I fucking hate <laughs> Mystery Theaters. I hate that shit. Really? I fucking hate it. I think it's the dumbest shit you can watch because you're like, I'm I'm sorry, I'm about to go off on a fucking rant. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it because they think they're fucking funny and they're not funny. They're just some fucking white dudes commenting on films that nobody's ever fucking watched. Just, I fucking hate it. I watched way too much of that shit because people were like, you should watch this. And I watched it and I didn't fucking laugh because it's not funny. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But here's the thing. off, sis. Okay. The theme song's catchy. The theme song is catchy. And, and I think I that's like the, the only thing now about it that's catchy. But I agree with you. I only watch it if I'm really, really lonely. So I, I mean, feel like I'm watching a movie. Right, you're like with people because you see them like in the front. <laughs> I've just, I, I think it's one of those things where people are like, yeah, this is great to do, but it's like you can have so much better social commentary or, or uh, commentary on the film from like the director and other people when they make their own versions of it. So it's like, go watch that shit instead of whatever the fuck they're doing. Or go, what are, what are the dudes who made the podcast? They're like in the South. The Spook House? Yeah, those dudes are funny. Yeah, and I they fucking love like shout they, out to the fucking spook house. Yeah, like they actually will review films that are not so good, but like it's enjoyable and it's not like a fucking just terrible joke machine over and over again. Very practical dudes. <laughs> love them. God. Anyway, what the fuck were we talking uh, about? We got some mystery science we're, here. We're we're back on Don't Breathe now. <laughs> <laughs> so the film was supposed to be set in Detroit, but it was actually shot in Hungary for some reason. I don't really know why they decided to just do, just do some parts of Hungary look kind of run down. Like, yeah, also soundstage because they had to like customize the you house. You literally do a soundstage anywhere. Yeah, you can do a sound. I imagine they're trying to capture that like abandoned industrial feel that right. is kind of prevalent in Detroit. Part of the reason why Detroit is known for being such a shitty city is because it was like the automobile capital, you know. But the American automobile industry kind of. You know, it's not just that tanked. Yeah, <laughs> but here's the thing: a lot of factories had to close. A lot of people lost their jobs. There's a lot of really impoverished neighborhoods, abandoned yeah. houses that people had to leave, abandoned factories, and there's definitely a lot of places in Europe that look like that. I mean, isn't it at this point there's parts of the city that are just shut off? Like there's no power, no yeah, water. You yeah, could, you could get a really nice house for like two hundred bucks a month, but there's nothing there, no yeah. neighbors, no nothing. You don't even get your trash picked up. Yeah, but here, here's the thing: the exterior shots were shot in Detroit. Yeah, and the interior shots were on Budapest. Yeah, 
which is weird, but they I, they did it they like did that it. anyway. I mean, they did the it thing. Mean, it could have been for money purposes too. Like they needed to shoot on a smaller budget, but I'm not exactly sure. But I mentioned earlier that a sequel is in the works, and it's because this movie was pretty much set up for a sequel. Yeah. Where they were like, the dude's still alive. Old dude's still alive. She's escaping. I'm guessing he's going to go hunt her down or something. But the new movie is going to be directed by his writing partner. So he's going to be a producer on the new film. I see. And then Sam Raimi was quoted as saying, it's only the greatest idea for a sequel I've ever heard. I'm not kidding. Well, shit, if Sam Raimi says that. It might actually be a good sequel. Guess what time it is? (laughs) Pizza time. (laughs) I I, I mean, I could do without a sequel for this one because it doesn't really need one at all. You know, I'd be cool with the sequel. I mean, I mean, I mean, we don't need it. You don't need it, but yeah. yeah. But if well, they did it, and they did it well. Maybe. Yeah. What What were your initial thoughts, though? Uh, I think that it was original for having the premise that it had, where they break in. The blind man is supposed to be like helpless and like not be able to do anything, but he ends up being completely ruthless the whole way through. Yeah. That was something I thought was interesting about this movie is they played with who you think the protagonist and antagonist is supposed to be. Cause the way they set it up, obviously the kids that break into the house are set up to be the antagonist, but as things unfold and shit gets weirder, we find out the old man is actually quite fucking sinister. Yeah. And the film plays out to me. Don't breathe played out a little more theatrically. They yeah. they use a lot of lighting to their advantage. The cinematography was really good. I prefer the follow camera where it's not shaky compared to like the super shakiness you might get in other horror films. Yeah. All right. Initial thoughts. I think the beginning and the end of this movie are weak. I think the entire middle portion of this burger is what's prevalent. <laughs> All right. Yeah, they, they do it. It's like nonstop. Because the thing is, I think what ruined it for me was in the beginning we have the the – Oh, clip where he's dragging her. And then near the end, you're expecting that scene to play out. So when she actually escapes and gets to the car, I just know that he's going to get her eventually. Oh, they faked you out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think the scene could have done without it. I don't, I don't think it served the narrative very well doing that because it was really just kind of pointless. It was a very pointless scene to have where it just opens up with her being dragged. So you already know when she escapes that she's just going to get caught again. I so will, it leaves it. It well, it doesn't. It doesn't create enough suspense for me in a movie that is like, like heavily based around suspense. I would counter and say that people are stupid and easy to trick, which is why he wrote it that way. I was about to say the same thing. It throws you <laughs> off, and I think that's something this movie does a yeah, lot. To your average viewer, you're gonna yeah. be like, "Oh shit!" Like she's gonna die at the end of this. But like, let's see the ride there, and then twist it at the end because well, she actually escapes. Here's here's the thing. The whole meat and potatoes like the middle part of this movie is executed but it is really well done like i like the premise you know a guy that whose dad works for a security company takes keys and has the alarm systems and it works and they're able to steal a lot of stuff but she's trying to move out of to california with her child because she has a bitch of a fucking mom it's her little sister is it yeah well she has a bitch of a mom let's just say that (laughs) um and then you basically have these people like trying to be as quiet as they can. They have like their means to like get in the house, get what they need, get the fuck out. And the guy who like, whose father is the uh, security guy. He's super smart about it. Like he's like, if we still cash, that's a felony. We're going to be like for up to right. 10 years. If we still items, if it's not a value of like $2,000, we'll be fine. He also has a very specific line that kind of like 
changes the pacing of the movie where he's like, we brought a gun into this house. He yeah. now has legal right to shoot us. Right. And you're like, oh, shit. And, like, the movie just, like, immediately changes from that point yeah, on. Yeah, it blows up after that. Yeah, because they're like, he's supposed to be asleep. No big deal. And he fucking shows up in the doorway, and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> this movie works with suspense perfectly. Yeah. And with lighting in one specific scene that fucking haunts me. Which one? It's when the lights go out in the basement. Oh, oh and you, it, you switch it, to night vision. Yeah, but it's not night vision. Yeah. It's not grainy. It's yeah. not green. It's white and it looks fucking great. Yeah. And the it li- it oh kind of reminded God. me of like watching those ghost hunter series. You yeah, know, those exactly. like where they go into a haunted place and they have the camera, everything's black and white. It reminded me a lot about that. And then you see this this blind man in the darkness and they zoom in on his face with his eyes like practically reflecting the light like a oh, like a beast almost. Yeah, he had fucked up. Yeah. So apparently his eyes were fucked up because uh, uh, shrapnel from a grenade flew into his eyes and like blinded him. It's like a throwaway line at the end of the film. And, that, and that's the thing, like, w- it zooms in on his face, like Justine says, and then it backs away from it, and you could can't even make him out in the darkness. Do you know what's crazy? That guy is in his 60s. Yeah. Yeah, and he's fucking ripped. He's 68 he's right now. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, what the fuck? Like, how are you doing these action scenes in your 60s? Like, that guy is way too strong. One of the most nerve-wracking scenes is when the girl is trying to find her way in there, and she has her hand out, and the She's about to touch the oh guy. My God. And the guy fires off around and she realizes that the guy is right in fucking front of her. Yeah. Her her gripping her face and closing her mouth is what they used for the cover of the film for the poster when she's like cowering in the uh, closet. That's like the scene they cut out and like superimpose on everything. Do you know what 2978 is? No. It's the director's birthday. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. So he was like, yep, going to use these numbers. Yep. That's funny. February 9th. I mean, I would do some shit like that. There's also the the other scene where um, Money's uh, phone rings as well. God. So he's like moving the bodies around, and then he knows that there's a noise in the room. So he's like, both of them are there. And then the phone goes off and he just fires. Yeah. Like that, that had me jumping. Oh, like, man. I don't know how they were able to stay quiet for that either. Like, if I was in that situation, I would have probably stepped back yeah. or gasped or something. Yeah, there, there's there's a few times where I, I have to be a little nitpicky yeah. with stuff because there's moments where, like, okay, he could hear you all the way across the room over there. But you're walking right next to him, and you're not, and he doesn't notice you. Yeah, like, there's like there's like things like that that are just kind of like little continuity things. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna establish like the parameters of what he can do, you can't fuck with it too much. Yeah. So the, it's like you said, it has the, to like follow the rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I and I think that that's something the movie doesn't do is necessarily follow its own yeah, rules all the time. Yeah, his power level like went up and down constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that that's kind of one thing. I I also just kind of I think like the reveal at the end kind of kind of killed the character for me a little bit or at least the premise of the film specifically because like your your ending reveal with the turkey baster and okay. all of that and all of that, that we'll get stuff, to that in a second yeah <laughs> yeah uh i've mentioned this several times on the podcast i think including rape in your screenwriting is weak writing you can come up with something better than the fucking peril of someone getting raped i think you just wanted to see it play out i think it was also just to make his character like hated yeah it's like i mean you want to know that he's a bad guy besides that he trapped this woman in yeah. his fucking basement for you know slaughtering his child you want an alternate to that have have the dude kill a dog and people will hate him oh yeah for sure that doesn't have to like put women into a weird position on film 
Yeah. Yeah, and and also like I I think that the the premise of the film just works better if it's just an old blind guy in a house. Yeah. If it, if it really was just that, I think it would be amazing if it was just that because then you can sympathize with them and you can sympathize with him. Right. Because he has people in his house that are not supposed to be there and he's just trying to defend his house, but then you get into the whole and then it like complicates his character even more to the point where now it's the the lines yeah. are, now the lines are black and white. I to think, be honest, like, I think they could have left it as just him having somebody in the basement. They didn't have to go so far as him impregnating this woman. And yeah, to like to have another kid. Someone else. That to me was just pushing it. Yeah. I disagree with you where, and this will probably be a hated thing, but I think rape as a complicated thing is, oh, okay. I think it's not a like weak piece of storytelling, especially when we discuss horror because the horror of reality is that rapes happen and they are a horrific thing that happened to people. So the thing is by including that in some stories, you get a better grasp of the actual horror that is taking place. That is something that not everyone can go through. And the people who go through it's fucking rough and brutal when you're watching like certain things like say berserk, for example, Yeah, that, that stuff excessive. is traumatizing and that's how they emphasize the trauma. And that's the thing. I understand that you see it as a weak piece of writing, but revenge is better when she's able to get and get get back at her rapists. Uh, two things. One, they don't always get revenge, and two, sometimes they don't. Yeah. Sometimes, so sometimes they don't. And two, I don't think people go. I don't think people go to film to have some sort of resolution to the trauma they got from rape through some form of artwork. You know. Well, well, I think what I think it's good to have the conversation like what we're doing, where we have a conversation about it and like how people feel about it, but. To have it used as a piece of art for the sake of shock value, shock value, exactly, is not exactly something that you should be doing in film. In the same way that I would never put a lynching in a film, because like that to me is just like you've already gone into the realm of like this is super excessive. We all know what happens or something like that. So you're telling me you don't like the intro to Pirates of the Caribbean? Well, n- you mean people getting hung? No, that's yeah. different. Oh, you mean actual lynching? Lyn- like when people, like when black people got lynched. Oh, okay. So like, no, that's different. People hanging from the gallows was like a that thing they did. That happened all the time. Okay, but here, here's what I'm saying. Rape is horrific. What we're talking right. about is horror. What I'm yeah. saying is it is a horrific thing. That turkey baster, when I saw that, how he was boiling his cum, getting ready to fucking impregnate Ugh. the main character, I was like, this is terrifying. I would hate to be in this position. I want this chick to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. It serves its purpose as being terrifying and horrific, and it sends shivers down your fucking spines. That's what it's trying to do. And I think I have to disagree with Mitch. The turkey baster, as excessive and stupid as it is, is terrifying. It got me. All right. I'm not going to say that it's not terrifying. I just think that narratively, I think I would have liked the movie better if that just wasn't even part of it. Yeah, I agree. I just just think that if that wasn't even there, this is a way more interesting movie afterwards. I think they missed an opportunity to just make him a cool, badass, blind army vet who just protected himself. Yeah, and, and, and there's nothing, like, and I don't think there should be twisted storyline. Yeah, and I don't think there should be anything wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why did it have to go to the extremes of like sexual violence? And like, why was that necessary? Right. Like to the, the storyline here, because the storyline is about people breaking into a house and then being in a situation they're not prepared for. I guess yeah. it gets. I, yeah, you know what I mean. And that took a weird it. turn for something that, like, I think, like we had said already, it would have done better if it just didn't have anybody in the basement. 
And like maybe he just had some weird Ma- shit down there that he was storing. Maybe the money with his daughter and stuff, he keeps her there so he keeps the money and whatnot or it's something like that. Yeah. Then I'm more fine with it. Because then it makes him like more terrible, and then you have the he's awful, and then you have more excuses to beat the shit out of this old dude, right? You know, but I mean, at, at the same time, I, I I just kind of liked the old blind man that's just like trying to find the intruders in his house. He just becomes an interesting force, yeah. And and, and I love that. Becomes, he and becomes then they, like super hated by the end of it because of the way yeah, and and it never. Line. And I don't know, did it have to do? Was that necessary? I mean, if they had planned on making a sequel, that would have set them up for a sequel because now they. Have have this old man who's not only trying to he wasn't just trying to defend himself now now he's actually out seeking revenge trying oh, to that's silence true, some actually. things that yeah. would have been an interesting follow-up mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that or he gets like a buddy or something to help him right and then yeah so like we've yeah we've already gone into the speculation hey evil dead reference swallow this fucking gets his own cum in oh, his fucking was, mouth was, oh, okay yeah. that was great i <laughs> love that i laughed when they did that i didn't that. even realize that that like fixed it a little bit having her just shove the turkey yeah, baster in his at mouth some point, was the chick great. gets the upper hand on him is beating his ass and takes the turkey baster with his semen in it and just shoves it down his fucking throat Ooh. i mean not for nothing but if someone tried to rape me i would definitely kill them afterwards just saying like you let him go like you let you just left him tied there no fuck that like, I remember watching it. I was like, what? Fuck this guy. I'm like, this guy needs to die, like, right now. Interesting bit is he's just like, I'm not a rapist. I've never forced yeah, myself on really anyone. Yeah, he really thought himself. And then Bullshit. It's, it's sort of like a it like talking. Your, it's kind of like a method of him, like, talking himself into being okay with what he's doing sort of idea. But Yeah, but I completely understand that if someone did try to do something like that to you, your response may just to be get, to get away. That you don't want to be near this person anymore. So that's so like her response makes sense because she was like, I just need to like get away yeah, from this. That's the thing too is everybody responds differently. You can't really right. like make assumptions of how someone's gonna respond to rape. Some people like we had talked earlier about being in a hostage situation if someone yeah. were to break into your home. Some people might run and hide. Some people might just stay where they are. Some people might fight. Yeah. I do have to point out though that she was excessively greedy. Yes, that this yeah. The whole film. I mean, she stole over a million dollars. And, like, (laughs) made several times where she was like, I'm getting this bag of money. Like, no matter what the fuck happens. Chase that bag. (laughs) I mean, mean, there are are some really good moments in this movie, too. Especially when she figures out how to deal with the dog while she's in the car. I liked all of that. I thought that was really good. She almost almost captured it. Yeah, almost. I thought... (laughs) But then, you know, hooked it up and still, like, it was fine. My favorite scene is when the guy gets out the window and is on the glass, like, looking down for into the garden. That was great. And uh, the, the he's just, like, wakes up. He looks up, and there's the old man, just shoots the glass, and the dude falls through. Man. Too, uh, too many coincidental shots from this old man who's completely blind. But I don't know. I just felt like... He was just, like... It was, it was upping the anxiety by having him just randomly shoot and you were like, oh, fuck. You're like, he came so close to hey, killing his yeah. How the fuck did the cops not see that chick run out of that house? Yeah, they she was like right in corner. front of Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they would have seen her. I would have reshot it. You, I would have been like, this is, ha- they would have noticed. Have, have you guys ever like hung out with someone who's blind before? Yeah. Or who's been blind since they're, they're kids? Yeah. And whatnot. I, one of them was like, was like a boss I was working for and I was, run, we were visiting houses and whatnot with him. And I, I thought it was amazing that he would just like click his stick. And like the sound reverberating off objects, he like told me where my car was. Like with before I even got to it, he was like, "Oh yeah, you're parked over there." And then he just like walked over oh. to the car, like things like that. So it 
with me having that experience and then watching this, I'm just like, this blind dude probably knows a little bit more than they think. Yeah, he it's, can, he it's knows so interesting um, how they pointed portray. out a moment, right? Uh, that was when he was in the basement yeah. and he was feeling around. So uh, in my classes, I do dance classes and we do a lot of experimental stuff. One thing we did is try to move and dance throughout the room blindfolded. We did this while uh, quarantine was going on. So we we're in our apartments doing Zoom calls. And I found that being taken away from the visual sense, you start to rely on other senses and be able to make a picture of the area you're in. So I found myself feeling for objects that I'm familiar with in the room. And then I could be able to like make an internal map of where I was, you know, like how, how far I am from this chair to this table and then be able to move accordingly. And so when he was in the basement and he was feeling for certain things, he touched the fan and he knew if he was by the fan, he can make a turn here, touches the thing above him. It's interesting how people can rely on other senses to, to basically understand the surroundings that they're in. Yeah. yeah, and that was something I think the movie executed pretty well. Yeah. I mean, immediately when he when he turns the light off, it's basically just like you're in my world yeah. now, yeah. sort of like much. sort of idea. And uh, I I think I love I loved that because it was a very climactic moment yeah. in that when all the lights go off, everything is just gray screen, like what Murrah was talking about. And then they just did a lot of like fun with the lighting and in there. Yeah, I mean the lighting was really good at some spots and then terrible in other ones. Mm. So I, I don't know what happened where they. Maybe there's like miscommunication, but they did a really good job in that scene where everything goes dark of pushing the boundaries of like uh, he's gone from this like weak old man who is blind to possibly being like a creature, a monster, some sort of predator in like the area that they're in. And then upping the anxiety by having that version of the film that you saw that was like black and white, like night vision. So that was cool that they did something like that. It was interesting because they they kept showing how ruthless he could be as a character and he was like like he didn't i think he only shot one of the pe- or two of the people right the other people he was like he was like choking them like he wanted to like kill them like that yeah i'm pretty sure he shot the first dude money yeah and then wow, he his shot money. yeah and then yeah. he shot the person who was trapped in his basement yeah by accident accidentally though yeah. yeah uh but shit i mean the dude was tr- that's the thing like we haven't made it clear but the guy his plan was to capture the, the chick who killed his daughter yeah. several years ago and impregnate her with the semen through turkey baster to have another child conceived from his dna supposedly he was gonna let her go after that that's fucking crazy but Nine i don't months believe in a that. fucking basement like that has yeah that's what i'm saying it's terrifying and then is he about to deliver this baby I, most fuck, most I fucking so. likely. Uh, also, he dropped her body in like a pool of oil underneath the fucking floor. Yeah, yeah, it looked like it's oil because I I know that oil dissolves flesh over time. God Although damn. I don't know if it dissolves bone, I think it preserves bone. I thought it was cement. Also, cement's usually white. I was white, just... isn't it? like a dark gray when it's, it's wet. less like that consistency like cement when it's wet is more like like dough doughy you know that was very like yeah i thought it was watery. weird how like the chick wasn't a suspect on the tv because her fingerprints are everywhere yeah her DNA so is shoddy everywhere. cop police work but it could just be because he told them oh no there was two of them and i murdered them and like yeah. they didn't do any more investigation. Another one of the fucking most terrifying things. How many people are here? Just me. Gets capped. Then he fucking 
sniffs and finds two more sets of boots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he really, yeah, he ends up finding her because of that. That's it's another like, a, like showing of how people, when they're taken away from a certain physical sense, they use right. their other senses. He probably has a heightened sense of smell in yep. addition to other things. Some sloppy ass thieves, though. Yeah. No, like hardly wearing any gloves, taking off their shoes. The dude like fucking comes in someone's house. Yeah, well, like, it's in the beginning. Take off your shoes. I don't Probably know. Probably to be quiet or something. Maybe but... I don't know. It was like either way. It was. I think it was. It was good, but some spots were weak on it. And then I would have liked a different storyline for the end of the narrative. But I mean, w- did you guys have any final thoughts on this movie? I don't think it needs a sequel. Could Personally, be. could be, but Sam Raimi thinks it's awesome, so it might. Be good. I, I, that's the thing. If Sam Raimi thinks good. it's awesome, fucking did, pizza time. Did they do a sequel to Silence of the Lambs? No. Well, I mean, Silence of the Lambs was part of a four-part series of Hannibal, so in a sense, mm. they did do uh, movies prior, like right. Red Dragon. I think there was a Hannibal two, Red Dragon, and then uh, Hannibal Rising. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Well, they did one where. Oh wait, no, that well, was Hannibal a goes one. to space. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what is this, Hannibal Jason? In space. Uh, it's okay, guys. He just wanted his machete anyway. It's the line this dude says in the space one before getting cut I mean, in half. It's I mean, great. This, I, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I did Green Room. Yeah, um, that too. And and I'd say just for the performance itself, as much as I have my own personal qualms with like the development of the story as it went on. I, I, I honestly do think that like your first like three quarters of the movie are pretty damn solid. Very, very, it's a solid movie, but it's not like something that I'm going to like explode about to a bunch of people. So one of the last questions I had, which we've kind of touched on, do you guys feel like horror films are sort of heading in the right direction of making really good ones? Or are they still kind of reusing old shit? I think at this point, so much shit has been done. Sorry. <laughs> it's it's hard to really do anything new. Yeah. I feel like the best thing you can do is do something that's been done, but differently in your own style. And if that's what people are trying to achieve, I feel like these movies did achieve that. I think we've seen these narratives before, but they're just slightly different things. Maybe so- slightly different characters, character roles, and their interactions with others, I feel like is what's separating these from the other. So, I think right now we're in a great time for horror. We weren't for the longest time. True. From, like, the time around, I'd say, 2007 to about 2011, maybe 12, we were in a very big shit show of just remakes, reboots, bad remakes, reboots, a lot of bad original ideas, a lot of straight-to-Netflix DVDs and movies, a lot of bad stuff. But now... We're in a peak time where we got people like Jordan Peele, Lee Whannell. Yes. Uh, you know, um, the person who did the Babadook, this, uh, this, like a lot of good people in horror, like Ari Aster, Robert Eggers. You got a lot of top notch people making good material with original ideas and stuff that they just want to make movies about. However, these two movies right here, not a good example of either of those. That's what I think. I think horror is in a good position as of the 2020s. I think I would give them more credit because they are pretty original. 
There's not too many movies that are like them. Don't, but I agree that they could have been better. Don't yeah, breathe. Definitely. I'll give more because suspense. And yeah. suspense will always be scarier than anything else. But I still digress. I don't think these movies are prime examples. I look at these I look at Don't Breathe as like a decent film. I look at Green Room as one of the twenty eleven kind of shit stinkers. <laughs> Basically you should go watch all the A twenty four films. <laughs> Because we've talked about so many on yeah. here, except this one. <laughs> so, I, wait, a twenty four. Give me a moment. Uh, don't breathe is a twenty four, isn't it? Right? No, don't breathe. Oh, green with, room, green room green is. Room, yeah. Yeah. So, so w- one of the things you'll see with a twenty four movies is they'll take historical referenced things and then put them into sort of like a modern setting, almost, and have them uh, intermingled with the storyline. And I think with green room, you see a lot of that direction going and i think this is like one of their early it's an earlier attempt at trying to do that and i i feel like it's just it's more so a movie green room is more so a movie of a24 coming into their own and starting to produce films that have like a deeper like trying to formulate a deeper story through them and i i also think that don't breathe is a really good a really good suspense movie and the premise itself i think is very original as well for that one and uh, movies nowadays, I, especially with like horror films and whatnot, you got to make your villains likable. You know what I mean? You have to make them so that you can at least somewhat sympathize with them. Or you just really like to hate them. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is, which is fine. You know what I mean? At least they, if they have to create a challenges for our antagonists, they have to um, maybe sometimes even be a step ahead of them right. to make their impact more meaningful as, as well as like horror movies also have to have a payoff. If you're going to make all these characters go through all this suffering and whatnot, there should be some level of payoff in it, which I think Green Room didn't do well enough is there wasn't enough payoff for all of the... There's the one scene with the two guys where they're yeah. like where they're like messing around with them, and that's like the only payoff that we really get in the movie, and it's not as like climactic as I really wanted it to be. That's true. You either go with the payoff at the end or nobody survives, and you leave people with a bleak feeling. Yeah, and that works. That works sometimes. Like I think it works in Descent really well. It works in zombie films too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because they've definitely had zombie films where everybody just fucking dies. Oh yeah, that was another fucking thing. We were on a big ass zombie craze for like fucking four years. Yeah, there was a lot, of, out of lot, a lot of zombie movies. Bring back aliens. <laughs> yeah, can we get back to making alien movies? I'm down. <laughs> I feel like it's a little too close to reality at this. They're point, working though. on it. Yeah. Well, uh, so it should be noted that at this point in like the film industry everything is at a standstill because of the covid pandemic so what i think is going to happen is the pandemic will end we'll officially find a vaccine start giving it to people and then production will start up again and this is going to be a humongous opportunity for indie filmmakers as well as people to get jobs in like television and other things and there's going to be a huge explosion of things happening when everything opens up again are you saying another renaissance there might be an actual like another golden age of film and cinema because and of the opportunities yeah i could believe it especially everything that's going on of our political climate yeah and what? horror films are heading that direction mm-hmm. most of what feels good horror films is terrible current events that are happening because they like to write things that are like, what is ha- like most horror films are like the person against something. You and it could be something terrible. You want to see a really terrible. good horror movie? Watch the RNC. <laughs> yeah. They're fuck. What was the, what did they have recently? They're like, I don't even know what it was called. It was like their, um, oh, fuck the RNC. What is it called? Mitch? They're like convention. 
Republican yeah, National Convention. Yeah, that's what the RNC is, Republican National Convention. It's like, what is it, like a three-day thing where a bunch of people go and do some speeches? Just just watch a couple clips from a few of yeah. those speeches. It's very resemblant to that of Nazi propaganda. Holy shit. Like, what a it's, surreal it's moment to see something fascist like that. Fascist speeches. Yeah. I think there was one person that said a line like, we, we give our undying support. Yeah, President the, Trump. the rest of the Republicans were like, we have given our undying support to Trump. Like, is, what the fuck? Is he like a crazy dictator? This is so weird. Man, I I just I just wish we were a political podcast. Uh, <laughs> we should do like a little side bit episode. All I'll say is this. I'll say what my local record store owner told me. If you're working on a project right now, good. You're ahead of the curve. It's true. Yeah. You, you have like prime opportunity to do something like that. Especially with, uh, so what what is also happening is that people who are not unionized workers, as in like you're not part of the Writers Guild of America or like the Screen Actors Guild of America, then you're just not getting any jobs. So all these vacancies are opening up. So like basically once everything opens up, you can get into pretty much any job in the industry and it'll be because they just need someone to do shit. And then it might be a prime opportunity for like college students or something to like get a job. What would you guys rate these movies? Uh, I would give Don't Breathe like an eight. And then I would give Green Room like a 7.5. I think I think Green Room suffered from not being as cool as it could have been with a group of punk kids fighting Nazis. But that's just me wanting Nazi killing, to be honest. I just wanted more of the violent Nazi killing and it didn't happen. So I was like, this is kind of whack. But I did appreciate that they went into some things that like they, the way they organized themselves and like kind of brought some realism to like things that actually happen in real life. I think I would give green room a 6.5 only because I feel like they had a lot of opportunity for social commentary and they just didn't go that direction. However, I have to give them props for basically making this an expose about, you know, Nazi organization and that these are groups that you should be afraid of and that need to be, need to have action taken against. Right. Uh, but I would give Don't Breathe an 8 because they really did a good job with suspension. I take those two points off because of the unnecessary things that were included in the plot and the progression of the movie. However, they did a really good job about making you afraid and uncertain about what's going to happen next. So, Green Room, I'm giving it a 6. There's just not enough payoff for all the torture that you put all these characters through, as well as I I don't think that I think that they definitely should have like there should have definitely been some more like punk kids fucking up Nazi things going on, but then it would just be like an action movie and right. you're kind of straying away from the horror idea, which is the survival horror. But it just really there wasn't enough stuff that clicked that really made me invested in it. So six. Out of 10. I mean, they could have pushed it into 80 slasher territory and then done some cool killings, but yeah, but no, it was, it was a little bit, it was, it it was, it's good for establishing where a two, four would be going. Yes, that's true. They, they established that historical precedent that they like to do and then, and, and intermingle it with a nice plot. And so they're, therefore good. The premise is interesting, but I don't know if it's executed well enough for me to say anything nice about it. And then you've got don't breathe, which I'll give a seven out of 10 as well um just because i really liked the plot i think that they had a believable like villain or antagonist who you know who who wasn't one until like the end of the movie 
And I feel like I just liked it better when I didn't know all of that other information. And then yeah. afterwards, it felt very ham-fisted in there, like, sort of Yeah, because it all happens in the last, like, ten yeah. minutes of the film. As well as just, like, a couple of, of things. Like, just I just don't think the opening shot was necessary because it just ruined the suspense of that moment. Like, is she going to escape? Well, now I know she's going to get caught as soon as she escapes. You know, so I don't, I don't, that, that's really all I have to say about that one in particular. So, yeah, those are my ratings. This is a first for me. This is my lowest score I've ever given a movie. <laughs> I'm giving Green Room a 4.5. All right. Yeah. Okay. It has a good cast. I don't think I rate anything that low. It has a good cast. They're just giving a bad story. They're give, They're not giving a lot. I don't think, like... These are good actors we know yeah. from their previous works. Yeah, they're all really good. But this thing is just showing – all of its cracks are exposed to us. It, there should have been more punk rock music. There should have been more violence. There should have been more fumbles. If they fuck up, make them lose an arm. Make them lose a leg. Let there be some actual tension. Not just, oh, I jump out a window. I immediately get capped. You know, pretty sure like I got stabbed. Yeah, you know, but that's the thing. Like, I think it would have been better had the stakes been more higher. And like Mitch was saying, the payoff isn't there. I would have loved to see a hipster ass band kill a bunch of Nazis. But then again, this isn't Pitchfork fucking Power Fantasy Hour, is it? (laughs) It's true. And then, don't breathe. I give a seven point five. All right. I think it works well for all the things that it does with suspense and horror. However, the opening shot, like Mitch said, ruins all that suspense in the last 10 minutes. The end ruins everything by you knowing that the guy is alive, that knowing that the cop probably saw her but didn't go about, about it. <laughs> because that shot, I mean, it's obvious the fuck. She's like running scene. in yeah. front of the car. <laughs> yeah. And just like. It just, the whole ending seemed very unnecessary to me because of that opening shot. And it kind of ruined the whole thing. And I'll have, I'll just have to see what this sequel, but yeah, green room could have been better. Don't breathe. Could have tweaked some things. All right. Then before I let everybody go, I just want to remind everyone that we're super easy to find. Just Google bringing down the grindhouse and you can find all of our social medias or you can go to the website, which is bdtghpodcast.com. You can listen to the podcast there on the streaming site or you can follow it through. Please also leave us some comments, some recommendations. If you don't agree with us, let us know if we've missed anything in the episode. Uh, if you can leave a review on the Apple podcast, cause that is very important to us and helps us get seen on the site. And if you can go and check out our Patreon page where you can actually see some behind the scenes content where we have our own individual segments and the bloopers that we record before recording the actual episode. But thanks so much for coming out to talk about these two films. We have one more announcement. Uh, Let's thank our, uh, what, two patrons that we've got right now? Yes. Uh, Eric, Eric uh, uh, Kiros. Eric, who is here in the room with Hello, us again. Hello, Eric, once He's again. He's been our peanut gallery for the last few episodes. It's been great, but uh, thank you so much for that. And Anthony Ashley, thank you so much yep. for uh, donating. You guys he, are awesome. He's been solid for like four months now, I think. Yeah, keep yeah. rolling. <laughs> yeah. We really appreciate it. I hope everyone has a good night. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. Pizza time. <laughs>